0: Most bowling center operators have Facebook pages, right? Mm -hmm. And people will comment on the Facebook page. And if you're not paying attention to that page and there's a lot of negative reviews, you better address those uh, very quickly or it could backfire for you at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Uh Oh, thanks so much for coming on today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I think it's going to be a a really good one. One of the best we've had, for the people who don't know who you are, the the few that are out there, tell us uh, who you are and the center you're with and maybe a little bit about yourself. Sure. My
0: name is Bo Gergen, born and raised in Sioux city, Iowa. My grandfather built a bowling center in 1947. So we're in the 76th year, third generation operation of a bowling center. Wow. currently live in midland michigan we have a 24 lane center that my brother is running for us while i am the current executive director for the bowling centers association in michigan
1: okay so then that's like your, your full-time gig then yes okay yeah i wasn't sure because i know you had the, the center but i didn't know i mean it sounds like it's a pretty big association pretty well attended
0: yeah we have 150 members so part of bpaa is an affiliate for a state association we are looking for every opportunity to provide resources and support to our operators to make sure that they can make the most money at the end of the day
1: yeah and i think the the state one is i mean obviously maybe not from michigan and like ohio and of the other ones but a few of them it's not as well attended like the national one but i feel like that's one where you can really get some good relationships and insights and be able to kind of make a a difference quicker
0: yeah so we one of the larger state associations obviously the northern Mm -hmm. states are all pretty populated with wisconsin ohio illinois michigan all have larger attendance if you will Mm -hmm membership, if you will. So what we try to do within our association, we have an annual state association convention and trade show. We get a lot of vendors that come uh, to that event. We get a good attendance there, not only from Mm -hmm. our association, but from other state associations nearby, provide education pieces as well as the trade show. And then we mix in a little bit of fun and entertainment as well
1: yeah that's really the true test right you can have a lot of members but how many people are actually showing up to the annual event
0: yeah so i'm in my seventh year of doing this and it's always been quite the challenge if you will trying to get as many members engaged in what Mm -hmm. we have to offer Mm -hmm. not only on the state level bpaa is doing that on the national level you have member proprietors proprietors around the country around our state that i see on a regular basis that just don't want to get engaged, but Mm -hmm. they feel that the membership into the BPAA is important to them with the programs that we have, the education that we have, the marketing that we have, even for their websites to to work on Facebook and so forth. So there's a lot of positives to being membership. One of the elements that uh, doesn't get talked about a lot, And it's hard to put a dollar value on but it's the networking and when you get a bunch of proprietors together in a room whether it's over dinner over a cocktail whatever to share some of the ideas of things that are working in their centers those are good golden nuggets that we can take back to our own centers and try to Mm -hmm. implement them in some way shape or form
1: yeah i mean one or two good ideas and that's that pays for your whole membership and all the time and everything that goes into it Talking to people who are doing it in in the arena so to speak like that's where you get your best action from
0: absolutely mm-hmm. i think we have proven that to be the case just in our center at a time when my father was still around he and my brother had different ideas on how to run the bowling center than i did and so that conflict led me to look in different direction which is this And Mm -hmm. my dad has since passed away. And to try to get through to my brother on some of these ideas that I have learned from day-to-day activities and talking Mm -hmm. to proprietors, going to bowl expo every year, going to the summit every year, these gatherings where I'm networking with other proprietors, taking these ideas back to them. We've now implemented those and we have been making more money in the last three years than we ever have. So it's working and it works for us and we see it. I know my brother was skeptical at first and now he's like what else you got for me what else you got for me? <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's going to be this guy right here on mm. my on my page here so right exactly
1: that's the next one uh, but you you know what you you hit on a very key point and that is the implementation right cuz a lot of times we get good ideas but if we just sit on them or we just say ah oh, maybe next quarter we'll get to that eventually You never see the benefit from it. And you think, oh, I'd never get anything from these, but you don't do the the one extra step to actually put it into practice. Correct.
0: I think that's what I find a lot when I go visit my proprietors. I roam around the center, just kind of get some ideas. I was in a center yesterday I hadn't been in yet. It was a non-member center. I was fortunate enough to get them in the membership, but what an absolutely gorgeous bowling center. The entire decor, particularly even the bathrooms. I just felt like I was at home. It gave me yeah. a home feel and that's one place i wouldn't have any issues with going and bowling myself for a, mm-hmm. a night out with my buddies but I, I had no idea that this place was that nice and they've done a wonderful job with the decor and everything that they've done Th- these owners are in the business every single day working on their business and I've told people this a couple of times in the first six steps of walking into a bowling center, I can tell if the proprietor is working on his business Mm -hmm. or in his business. Right. And and, and those are the things that, you know, over the years we worked in our business. Now we're working on our business and we're seeing a a greater profitability, if you will.
1: Yeah. I'd love to stick on that for a little bit longer because I think a lot of people would aspire to that and want to do that. But where, how do you get over the hump or what would you recommend to get over the hump to actually make that transition, right? Cause working in the business is your day to day, you're grinding it out. What do you think is the key to, to making that transition? I think a lot of it has to
0: do with finding really good people to entrust mm-hmm. your business to, to handle the departments for your, for you so that you can comfortably leave and do other things work on the business, work on the marketing side, try to get group outings, corporate outings, Mm -hmm. church outings, to fill those times where your lanes aren't full. In the meantime, you have to have good quality people working at the front counter, in the bar, in the snack shop, have a good mechanic in the back. So I think all of that lends towards really strong onboarding, good training, whatever that process is for you in making Mm -hmm. that happen. Uh, We've had I would say above average success in that department. So now that we need some time off, we can go do something and feel comfortable about because we have good people there that we can trust. So I think it be- belongs, begins
1: there actually. The talent acquisition. Yeah. So I guess you, you build it up and get better and better people until you can kind of build or get like someone to, re- to replace what you're doing and you kind of build up with them and, and keep backfilling yourself, reinvest.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that, I believe, is one of our biggest challenges currently in our industry. Just had a meeting with one of my fellow proprietors yesterday who he's scratching his head. He's lost every one of his department heads in the last three months. And Mm -hmm. he's having to work himself when he thought he had it all set up for this upcoming season. He had this department Mm -hmm. head. He was ready to kind of step away and let the thing run and now they're all gone and he's like oh, oh. my gosh what do I could do right <laughs> right and so it's been a constant challenge over the last year and a half we've been hearing a lot of acquisitions from Bolero Corporation to some of our leaders in our industry mm-hmm. uh, proprietors, and the average age of a proprietor is probably in their 60s so yeah. it's time to look for the exit strategy to get out And if somebody comes by and says, here, we'll take over your business. Here's a check to go do what you want to do. More and more of those guys are doing that. I believe it's a false image out there in social media world where bowling is dying when they hear a bowling center is closing. The land Mm -hmm. value is the biggest element in the reason why we all love bowling. But when somebody says, here's a check, it's time. We're going to take it unless you have generation after generation continue that business. That's the number one reason why bowling centers are closing.
1: Yeah. No, I would totally agree because they're large. And if you started 30 or or some of these are 60 years old, you started in an area, the area grows and the highest and best use is now a high rise or a developer comes and and cuts you a $10 million check. It's tough to say no to that when you're, you might be doing a million dollars in revenue a year for a lot more work. It's tough to walk away from that, which is unfortunate, but you know, business is business, right? Yep, it is.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that most of the bowlers should be seeing is that those centers that are still around and surviving, they're doing more work within their center to make it attractive enough for you to come back. One of the questions I think you, you wanted me to, to kind of answer would be what are proprietors doing today to be Mm -hmm. successful? And I think that's the number one thing is reinvesting into the business getting new carpet on the concourse, new tile in the settee area, new scoring systems, new masking units, just a color uh, paint job, if you will, add on a game room, add on another ancillary project. Beach volleyball is starting to get kind of big up here in, in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, But the arcade room is probably the number one element to where a proprietor can generate some extra cash above mm-hmm. and beyond the league structure base and i think we're all doing very well still to this day with open bowling we've benefited i think from COVID once we were open but here in michigan we were the second longest state that was closed behind california Mm -hmm. so it was quite a struggle we lost a handful during that event and but those that have made it through are happy with the results we're Mm -hmm. we're all seeing numbers above uh, 2019 numbers so that's been a good
1: sign yeah, I mean, it helps not only the people want to get out, right? They've been cooped up, they want to get out. But I think on top of that, what's kept it going for so long is the survivorship bias, right? If 10 or 15, whatever the number was, percent of restaurants, because let's be real, you're on a Friday and Saturday night, you're also competing with restaurants and other things to do. If 10 or 15% went out of business, as long as you stayed open, then you get all that business in the end. So you get to ride out yep,
0: with that. That's what we're seeing. So how long will that continue? Who knows at the mm-hmm. end of the day? It all depends on what happens with the economy and so forth. But I feel very Mm -hmm. confident our industry is in a very good place. We can talk about, well, historically, bowling's been digressing for the last 50 years. Sure. In the early 70s, we may have had 10,000 bowling centers and 10 Mm -hmm. million sanctioned league bowlers. And now we're down to 4,000 centers and a million sanctioned league bowlers. That doesn't mean bowling's dying. There's a lot of... Uh, other elements that are happening, right? So it just means that those that have survived are doing better at what they should be doing in our industry, and that's teaching the game and the sport for the youth, for youth programs, providing a welcoming environment for the league bowlers, and of course for open play, for date night and corporate outings and having another reason for a consumer to come to your bowling center besides just bowling and a slice of pizza.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think, I don't know exactly what the stat is. I think it's almost 70 million people bowl a year. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just changed, right? We're comparing stats from one era against a different environment today where I think more people bowl than ever, but it just looks different, right? They're not signing up for sanctioned leagues, but they're coming in as as an activity, and they want bowling to maybe be one of the things that they do. So they're there to, like you said, their arcade, or they might want to do a couple different activities. So I think as long as these centers are kind of following with the, the trends of what people want, they're not gonna have any problem
0: growing and increasing business agree totally that's absolutely mm-hmm. you nailed it. it 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 just looks different and yeah. we as proprietors to be successful have had to learn to adjust to that we've had mm-hmm. to learn to come up with products that does appeal to those people that don't want to sign up for the 36 week uh traditional yeah. league base that they're used to so uh, we've had a lot of success in a program the last year and a half that we signed up for a marketing program that generated 238 brand new bowlers into our little 24 lane center in a town of 40,000 people Mm -hmm. and again we're willing to try things and when we were successful there because we saw the product we tweaked it a little bit for our neck of the woods we had a first class person running the front counter that had complete control of that environment and they kept re-signing up these were Mm -hmm. eight-week fun leagues for non-bowlers and they just kept signing up and oh by the way after the second time in there was a bowling ball purchase and a bowling shoes purchase oh Mm -hmm. and a bag purchase and then the food and beverage so it's been very successful for us we're going to continue running that and so those are the little things that we're looking for that we picked up in in the networking world, if you will. Oh, I heard this guy was trying this out. Let's try it here. Who do we contact? Boom. Get on the phone, find out the details. Here's how we'll work it out. And it's been extremely successful for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, two, two things really stick out to me there. One is it's, it's funny, right? How they won't sign up for a 32 week league, but they'll do four eights in a row. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, like exactly. yeah, it's the same thing, but yeah, you just call it, what is it? Two and a half dozen or wh- whatever the, the saying is. It's the same thing, but end result. And the second piece is that you guys are going with what the demand is. So if there's whisperings of bowling dying, I think if you are still in that traditional, you know, you got to do a sanction league, you got to do 30 uh, weeks a, a year, then it probably kind of feels like it is dying. But if you're going with what people want, then it, it definitely isn't. I mean, Agreed. like you said, you guys are, you are busier than ever because you're willing to make those changes. If, if you're not willing to, to get with what people want, with the market demands, then yeah, it's going to feel, it's going to get tough.
0: It is. We're in a community where we have three cities in a triangle within 25 miles radius and about 350,000 population that we can attract to. So we have two centers in our town of 40,000. There's three centers in the town just east of us, 15 miles with, Three centers and then a town of seventy-five thousand, just south of us, fifteen miles. That has two centers. Mm-hmm. My knowledge in this, you know, we're the only one that still has five-person leagues, and we have two nights of twenty-four teams of five. Wow. So we're doing something successful there because we've had a waiting list in each run in yeah. each one, and so we came up with. Uh, well, we didn't come up with it. We just followed, found this uh, unique league program called the ultimate bowling league we put those in those two leagues and it's been very successful because it's attractive how it's designed and set up and those weeks or those leagues are 32 and 34 weeks which is still Mm. pretty nice right yeah but most every other bowling center in the area is trios very few even four person leagues so that Mm. makes a difference at the bottom line when we're talking about 24 lane center and i have 120 bowlers versus Ninety, or six. Yes.
1: So, yeah. So, tell me, what are you guys doing that's making that league so successful? What's the structure? What do you think it is that can? So, the
0: ultimate bowling league was designed quite a few years ago. This gentleman, I can't think of his name now, out of Florida, I think, is where he was from. So, twenty-four teams. We divide them up into four divisions of six teams, and Mm -hmm. in those divisions, you are bowling within the division with comparable team averages so we run our leagues at 100 handicap and with that the top six team and team averages are in the first division all the way down to the bottom six teams and team average are in the bottom division and then we run thirds and then the last three weeks of each third we double the point value so everybody's involved all three weeks even though week one of the three-week playoffs is a position round within that division So after that week is over, you'll have four division winners. So the second week of the playoffs, those four division winners will bowl against each other, A and B against each other, and then C and D. And then those two winners will bowl third week for the third championship, if you will, and an automatic spot into the league championship at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. But even though we're down the two teams on that third playoff week, we're still bowling for double points and we pay – Prize fund based on points, one. So you could get real hot those last three weeks and, and, right. and start making some money. We also give out – yeah, we give out a small cash token for the playoffs as well. For each match you win, you get 50 bucks per team, 10 bucks a bowl. Mm-hmm. So you could sweep the playoffs and win 150 bucks per team each third. Yeah. And then we'll throw in a fourth team for a wild card best win-loss record into the league championship at the end of the year so and if you've been around bowling long enough you've seen so many leagues start disintegrating because we have teams that aren't compatible with each other within the right. league you'll have super mm-hmm. strong teams and you have some super weak teams well those mm-hmm. weak teams realize I can't beat those guys so yeah. I'm out yeah and and so we've done um, a spreadsheet over the last 10 years of how that looks and that's blended very nicely teams from the lower division have. Been very competitive at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. every year. Uh, Teams with loaded high averages not necessarily have done that great. In a five-man league, and I'll use my team as an example, I have a seven-man roster. So depending on which five guys are there that night is where we should be competitively. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, once the shoes come on and the lanes come on, who bowls more over their average that night wins the points at 100% Mm -hmm. hand. So people look at it and start, well, what are the negatives to it? Yeah. Can people start uh, sandbagging a little bit Well, we've thrown in a rule there? We keep our last year's average for the first nine games. Mm. So you're going to sacrifice three weeks of bowling just to try to lower your average. And then you got to take a chance for the. So. We've come around and people like that. So that's kind of what we've done with those two leagues. They've both been extremely successful. We're even trying to implement that design into I've got 24 teams of trios on Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. I think they've just gone to it as well. They've seen how successful they are in the other leagues. So they're going to try it. So,
1: yeah, I like this. You're optimizing for like buy in through the whole course of the season. Because, yeah, I I feel like that would be – especially if you're just kind of like you feel like I'm never going to win or it's not competitive anymore, then you kind of give up, you lose interest. But if you can keep it close, then people are always going to be excited. I like that.
0: Absolutely. So think about just being in the six teams per division and it's first round of the playoffs and it's position round. The worst you can actually be is sixth place in your division. I mean, it's psychological, (laughs) right? But it's like, hey – Right, I'm still a sixth, but when you're competing, and even though the schedule has you bowling teams in the top division or the other teams in the divisions above you, at the end of the day, it's still a hundred percent. Even as a lower average team, they can get hot, just like the more skilled bowlers. Sure, and that's and sometimes these are newer bowlers, and then they they get in this environment. Well, ooh, I gotta have to do something, get a little bit better. Maybe I should come practice. Maybe I should get a lesson. Maybe I should get a ball. Right. And then all of a sudden you see they're increasing at a greater l- rate than the higher skilled bowler who's always been there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you, that's where it kind of evens itself out every year, year in and year out. And it's still a very social league, I feel, because our prize fund, I think we had $40,000 in prize fund last year, but mm-hmm. it was $250 per bowler for first and $150 per bowler for 24th. It was, we don't make it top heavy at all. We just right. keep it super tight. And so just throw in a couple of nuggets for playoffs, a couple of nuggets for championship, and we're good to go.
1: I like that. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of complexity to this. How do you pitch that to someone quickly or easily? Or how do you put a league flyer up with that kind of the, the rules of that?
0: That's been a challenge. So I remember first time I introduced it to our leagues when I was still working at the center mm-hmm. 15 years ago. Just had to walk it through them step by step hold their hand that league meeting at the beginning let's Mm -hmm. do this right and here's what it'll look like and then it ran very successful i think the very first Mm -hmm. year we had quarters and in the i I had like 14 or 15 16 different teams that were that had won a spot had Mm -hmm. won their first round of the playoff and it's like holy cow i didn't realize it would work this well (laughs) it's been it hasn't worked out that well before but of the four uh, division winners they had three different winners throughout the the season and so Mm -hmm. that was kind of neat and i think that has to do with the averages right during the course of the season it's a it's an ebb and flow of how good bowlers are bowling and so forth but at at the end of the day they like the complexity like you say it really gets simple when they realize if i just look at my division that's all I have to look about. I, yeah. I don't care what's going on in the other division. Right. And that simplifies things for them. So Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it optimizes for an even playing field. But then it just – if you like competition, you want it to be close. It, even if you're the one who crushes everybody, that gets boring too. It, that's just as boring as getting crushed every time. So you keep it close. Agreed.
0: Very cool. And the league that I bowl in is on Monday night. So right now it's super because we have Monday night football. And Right. I got there late because I had to work yesterday, so I had to have somebody sub for me. But I just walked in the door when the game kicked off and four plays in, Rogers goes down. And the whole bowling center almost kind of stopped like, what, oh, is it really bad? And so there's football talk, there's fantasy football, there's still baseball mm-hmm. talk, right? So a lot of sports guys in that league, if you will, and we have women in the league as well, good bowlers.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
0: it's been very successful for us, Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that. And, and I'm sure it goes hand in hand, right? People who are competitive tend to be interested in sports. So probably it's a good combo. Yep. Cool. So w- what else is uh, working well for you guys? So we got the ultimate bowling league. <clears throat> Excuse me. What else is uh, doing well for you guys?
0: So these this fun league uh, that we've been talking about uh, has been very successful. Our youth program has been uh, growing. We have six high schools out of our 24 lane center that we support and provide practice for those six high schools which is part of the growing of the youth league so we're now 24 mm-hmm. lanes on Saturday and overflow of uh, 16 lanes on Sunday which wow. is really mm-hmm. good and we now have most all of our coaches for these high schools are volunteer coaches maybe a couple of them depending on the school provides a stipend for them but it isn't much mm-hmm. but they've all been as strong volunteers have worked with our youth program are now into providing individual coaching to these high school Mm. kids so our center is quite busy in the afternoon with lessons and high school bowling as well
1: now that did you approach those high schools or how how did those connections come about
0: yeah so in michigan we have 356 high schools that are involved in high school bowling so it's pretty Mm. pretty strong some of the schools are supportive And added that sport to the curriculum, if you will. Some Mm -hmm. they look at it as a club, even though it's varsity lettered in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And we, as the proprietor, are supporting these programs. We just found a way to get some of that recoup back to where it's not costing us an arm and a leg. We're not Mm -hmm. making much off of it, but we're breaking even, but providing an atmosphere that the parents like. I've seen parents join in on leagues now that they've been out of for quite a few years Mm -hmm. because they see if their kid is bowling. So it's worked in in a lot of different ways for us Mm -hmm. in that way. Pro shop sales are up, but we feel very strongly that's our future of our business. If we want to still be around, we got to get the kids involved, the kids then bring the rest of the family members.
1: Now, obviously, you're saying that it, it translates into like the the leagues, but does that translate into the open play as well? Like they, they do it, and like hey, let's go oh, like they, bring the friends in.
0: Absolutely, especially the kids that have been that started the to, to, that made the high school teams.
1: Now mm-hmm. they kind
0: of want to show off a little bit. So That's what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, right. This is a little extra time for practice. Let's go bowl. Mm-hmm. Let me show yeah. you what I've been I'm learning. Right. And then yeah. you'll see them out on the lanes trying to help their friends who know nothing about bowling. Yeah, I think right. it's cool. It's yeah. really cool. So, yes, that is definitely helped open bowling.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm sure if you're a good bowler, then you're, you're very apt to go on like a first date or a date out there. Show off a
0: little and, bit. And <laughs> trust me, Forrest, they're really not even that good. But they <laughs> right. they were taught how to do a four step yeah. approach and curve the ball whether it's with a thumb or two handed. And I remember when I started this program back up, one school had the entire tennis team, or no, I'm sorry, soccer team come out for bowling because it was their off season. And mm-hmm. none of them knew how to bowl. None of them had their own bowling ball or shoes. Mm-hmm. And after a few weeks of practice, I taught them all how to curve the ball, walk four steps, encourage them to get their own bowling ball, drill to their hand, mm-hmm. which they all did. And then I remember coming in, 10 minutes late one day and they're already up on the lanes throwing the ball. And in my mind, screwing around, throwing it two hands. So I'm yelling at them. Yeah, this is serious time. Quit screwing around. This is what I taught you. Mm -hmm. A week later, I showed up late again, about 10 minutes. And there they are doing it again. This time (laughs) I didn't say anything because I'm watching. I'm like, holy crap, they're curving the ball quicker than I can teach them. And they're enjoying it and they're having fun oh boy old traditional guy <laughs> let him go and right so now proprietor and the coach i'm all for two-handed bowling Still okay. a competing against it <laughs> right. I'm a golfer mm. i like to make the analogy that with the anchoring of the putter was an unfair advantage for those that mm. stuck it up here in nervous conditions i think the art of the the thumb squeeze in the ball is part of the sport that we all okay. learn to love and, and, and enjoy And Mm -hmm. I don't believe that they have the same pressure element with no thumb in the ball at its crucial moment. It is what it is. It's a new part of the game. Have very good friends that are two-handers. Can we jab Mm -hmm. each other? Sure, right. But at the end of the day, I learned I can't do it. I tried.
1: Maybe that's the real source, right? Yeah, I'm jealous. (laughs) Actually, I had uh, Chuck on not too long ago. He was the first pro landy two-hander. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about that. Pretty cool. Just kind of came out of nowhere with it. And then I'm sure it was even more odd than he was doing it. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I want to talk about one more thing, the events, because you mentioned this a little bit, it's like corporate events and parties and group events. That seems to be a really big trend right now. I'd love to hear what you guys are doing it, what you're seeing, what are your thoughts on events right now?
0: So we've finally took the bullet and decided to hire a sales marketing guy. Mm. Uh, so I've seen enough success with some of the proprietors that I work with on a day-to-day basis. Some of them are my board members. I call it, well, they're the FEC guys, if you will. And they're having tremendous success hiring an outside salesperson for your bowling center. Even though we're more traditional, maybe a hybrid because I got two beach volleyball courts, but I don't have much of a game room or anything like that. Yeah, We're stepping into that realm now. And last year, he created a lot of extra business for us. So it's a good tool if you get the right guy. This guy loves bowling. He grew up in this bowling center. He knows the the community very well. He's got the expertise in how to approach them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're filling some dead lane beds quite a bit. It's yeah. been a challenge because we're still very successful with our i mean monday through thursday i'm 24 lanes of leaks i don't even right. have a spare pair to for a breakdown so it's weekend stuff and or afternoon
1: yeah and, early afternoon yes.
0: yep mm-hmm. and so that's what we've done i would encourage it'd be more challenging for under 24 lanes but 24 probably would be the minimum and anybody yeah. that's larger than that if they want to fill some lane beds hire an outside salesperson Mm -hmm. talk to writers that already have that in place to figure out what's the best way to do the salary if you will or commission and work Mm -hmm. it out to where it's appealing to that person as well
1: and talk to me a little bit about how like launching that because i I find that a lot of people want to do this but they don't have the patience to stick it out through the sales cycle right because some of these events take a little bit of time and if you don't have the patience to see it out then you're going to cut it off before you actually see the fruits of your labor you're right
0: what's the secret to that we're trying to learn that ourselves right we're going to make mistakes everybody makes Mm -hmm. mistakes and that's okay if you learn from them right so i think it's just getting great feedback from the people that you've got into your door how -hmm. can we do this better put a survey out there don't be afraid to do that don't be afraid to have people tell you what they see Mm -hmm. because if they don't tell you and and they don't come back that's your worst nightmare yeah right yeah so ask it's always been a challenge for a lot of us I think
1: mm-hmm. it's not
0: just our industry it's a lot of industries sure. so mm-hmm. it's a matter of it, it's scary to do that it's scary to have people tell you what you're doing wrong if you will and so but if you have the wherewithal to do that and then make those changes for mm-hmm. the better you're going to be extremely successful so right. I think you in being what you do in bowling alley marketing the social media content so most bowling center operators have facebook pages right mm-hmm. and people will comment on the facebook page and if you're not paying yeah. attention to that page and there's a lot of negative reviews you better address those uh very quickly yeah. or it could backfire for you at the end of the day
1: yeah yeah and the messages and sometimes they'll give you a shot and try to message it in private at an experience they had and then if you ignore them then they're just going to go out and make it public exactly
0: exactly yeah. we've been fortunate here in michigan one of our proprietors is a I call him a Facebook guru before he bought the bowling center he was teaching Facebook social media strategies around the globe mm-hmm. so and his center on his Facebook page every single day there's at least one post if not one mm-hmm. video about yeah. his business yeah. and so he knows how to handle that he and, he and he's done a couple of education pieces for our members on what you need to do to protect your business and dealing yeah. with social media and it's worked great for a lot of us so mm-hmm. any business out there it could be a restaurant it could be a clothing store mm-hmm. nobody has the most perfect business right where everybody's 100 percent happy so right. it's dealing with those negativities and how you go about doing it what changes that you can make that can make the difference and make people mm-hmm. come back and give you good reviews then
1: right exactly well and and at the same by the same token too that not every negative review is is legitimate right you get some people out there where you're just never going to please them but but yeah yeah you make a great point is if you see a, a trend then maybe it's something you should be paying attention to absolutely
0: absolutely
1: yep Awesome. Well, I know we're coming up to to time here. I wanted to really quick, just get your thoughts on maybe the next 12 to 18 months, kind of where you see things going, maybe for you and your center, as well as the industry in in general, and maybe the Michigan Association, where do you see things going?
0: I think that things are going to continue to go upwards for the next 10 or 12 to 18 months. I know we have an election coming up and that can sometimes determine what's going on, but Overall, and I speak not only in Michigan, but I think overall in the country. As I'm on the, I go to the national events. I'm on the USBC board of directors, and I, I mm-hmm. see what's going on nationally. That it's it looks very positive. It really does. Just like in any industry, you have your operators or centers that didn't take care of their business, if you will. Yeah. They didn't take care of their customers, and most of them have gone by the wayside now. So, who are the survivors? Who's left? once mm-hmm. that they're doing it right, in my opinion, right? right? They're, yeah. they're, they survived it and, and they want to be here. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think the consumer sees that and says, all right, it's very inviting here. I want to come back. Mm-hmm. It's a social activity, first of all. I think COVID proved that point that you try telling people that they can't go somewhere, this is how they respond. Right. I'm coming and I'm saying I can't socialize anymore. It's not going to happen. So that's been, I think, a huge blessing. And I don't see any, unless some dramatic event like COVID happens in the next 12, 18 months, Mm -hmm. I see a a very strong future for our industry.
1: Yeah. It it seems almost like the um, out of house entertainment is almost like a counterbalance because we're all on our phone and on a a computer screen and in our houses or in the office that, that out of house entertainment, especially a, a kind of a physical tactile activity just becomes more and more appealing as like, it's the opposite of what we do all day, it becomes more attractive.
0: And maybe you can even expound on this. So when all this was happening at the beginning with video game playing, if you will, Mm -hmm. VCRs, and this home entertainment was the attractive scenery because back Mm -hmm. in the 70s and early 80s, people bowled three, four nights a week, both parents sometimes, right? So, but then the workforce, got the ladies of the house out into the workforce so they didn't bowl as much and life does get in the way right with kids but if we can create an environment where the kids are involved and it's a family activity and i think we've done that very successfully yes we've gotten them out of the home to do that and that's been a big bonus in my opinion we had a probably a 20-year lull there but i think it's turned around i really do i've seen it for the last few years
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it almost goes from maybe like a two or three times a week down to a once a week, but then you spend two or three times as much that one visit, right? Because you've got, you know, four other activities plus food. That's going to be your dinner. They're spending the same amount per week. It's just all in one visit. So what do you got up your sleeves to help us? Yeah. So we've been doing a lot of the, I guess uh, we really have four different pillars. So I, I always look at it that we're doing the social media advertising is really where we see the needle moving because people are on their phone on an average about five hours a day. So if that's where they are all day, then that's the best place to get in front of them. I find that the organic posts don't do quite as well as they used to. So as Facebook's grown they're a public company, they got shareholders to, to get earnings for, they don't give that stuff away for free like they used to. And so right. when we ran the numbers, it's down to like 2.2% organic reach. So 22 people per 1,000 followers. Now some pages might be more engaged and be higher. Maybe they're 50, maybe they're 100, but still, like 22 people per post is just not usually moving the needle a lot. Because sure. you know most centers might have two or three thousand followers, so that's 44, 66 people seeing the post. Whereas the social media ads, you can spend the CPM is how you measure how expensive it is to get out in front of people. And so we usually see around four or five dollars CPM, which is four or five dollars for one thousand impressions. Okay. So if you spend four or five hundred dollars, that's a hundred thousand impressions compared to twenty-two people seeing the right. post. So you can really move the needle with that. If you okay. pair that with getting some high-quality videos to kind of show the experience they can have, like imagine you trying to just like text someone the experience that you had in that league or on a Friday night versus a video of you laughing, smiling, having fun. It's just- Absolutely. Yeah, so if you can get more of those videos out in front of these people, 100,000 times a month, you better believe you're gonna have people coming into the center. So that's what we kind of do on like the, what we call creating demand side. And then on the fulfilling demand, like the needs-based side, it's more about actually, believe it or not, expanding outside of bowling. So if I would, I'd be willing to bet that if I typed in bowling near me, in your town, you're gonna to pop up first. And okay. I mean, you're probably the only center, maybe there's two or three, you said there's two other centers. Mm-hmm. It's not that competitive for bowling, but what if I typed in places to eat near me or sports bar or you know, places to watch football kind of thing? That's the type of thing that there's actually more people who are looking for that, that is a better opportunity for you to focus on. Cause you're gonna win bowling anyway. Sure. Focus on the ancillary stuff to the, the bar or birthday party places team event, venues, that kind of thing is going to be better spent.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Very good. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a lot of what we do. All right. Excellent. Looking mm-hmm. forward to working with your forest.
1: Likewise. Yeah. So thanks for coming on, Bob. If people are interested in learning more about the association, say someone in Michigan is watching this, or they just want to pick your brain or learn about some of those great ideas that you come across and you come across more than the average proprietor, where, where should people get in contact with you?
0: Well, all of our members have all my information because all the emails I send, it's on the bottom Mm -hmm. of everyone. But if there's any non-members in Michigan that are considering becoming members, which I highly recommend for your best interest, for your protection of your investment, give me a call 989-600-0992. I'll come out and show you our VPAA members benefit book, everything that's in there that'll help you make money, save money on programs, the education piece it's unlimited and that's mm-hmm. all we do that's the only focus that the bpa has is to make sure that proprietors are making more money at the end of the day so it's a great gig mm-hmm. i get to go around as a proprietor talking to other proprietors mm-hmm. about what can we do to make use more successful i love it i absolutely love it
1: yeah i can totally confirm that is both at the national and the state level that is all you guys care about is how can we make you better there's no other agenda other than that so if you're not on it, you are you're seriously missing out.
0: And, and honestly, it's companies like yourself that we appreciate as well, supporting that. And so mm-hmm. there's other guys out there that are doing what you're doing, and they've been in the business a little longer, mm-hmm. I believe. And so that's we're, we're we have four or five different marketing entities that we're using because we're mm-hmm. not marketers, but we realize how important that is for our business, and it's showing right. in the bottom line. So yeah.
1: Exactly. All rise together. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Bo. This has been great. I can't wait to uh, link up with you again, but appreciate it. And uh, All right. we'll talking soon.
0: Thanks, Forrest. Have a great day, yeah. man. out. Exactly.